Hello, and welcome to Good People to Know, a down-to-earth podcast brought to you by WFI Insurance. We round up experts, specialists, and people in the know from around Australia and talk to them about the things that matter most to regional Australians. As discussed in the last episode with El Carter from Australian Red Cross, regional communities across Australia are coming under threat from more natural disasters than ever before. This year already, we've seen countless storm and flood events impacting communities across the East Coast, while bushfires continue to bombard the West. Thousands of regional Australians have been impacted in recent years, including many still living in temporary accommodation, with many or all of their possessions lost. To help those in need, government and organisations, including WFI's parent company, IAG, have partnered with Give It. Give It is a unique organisation that matches those that have unwanted items with those in need in a safe and secure way. In this episode, I shake hands with Give It CEO Sarah Tennant about how they're helping regional Australians who have been impacted by natural disasters. Thanks for joining me, Sarah. Can you start by telling me a little bit about yourself and Give It? Yeah, thanks for having me. So I am CEO of Give It and I've worked there since 2014. I'm very passionate about making a difference to the lives of Australians in need and reducing our impact on the planet. So the Give It model does all of those things. We are a website that matches people who want to give to people in need and with a smart way to give. And our aim is to make sure donations are positively impacting communities. So if you like, we're the free trading posts for charities to request everything they need for the people that they support. And at the same time, make sure people's donations go to where they really need to go. So you might have a pre-loved item at home that you no longer need. We'll make sure that that goes to someone who really, really needs it. So Sarah, when did Give It kick off and where did the idea come from? Give It has been going since 2009. Our founder, Juliet Wright, got in her heart that she really wanted to donate some beautiful baby clothes to charity that she no longer needed. And she went down to her local charity bin, which was just overflowing with junk, basically. We've all seen it at the supermarkets and they're overflowing with, with items that are poor quality. She did not want to put her baby clothes in there. So she started ringing a few charities to see if they would accept the clothes. And she realised very quickly that we often don't really know what charities need for the people they support. We give what we have to give. We give what we think that they need. And she realised that this was missing. And that's from where Give It was born. So... She designed a website where charities could request exactly what they needed for the people they supported. Very soon she realised that there wasn't always the supply and demand that she needed. So she then designed a warehouse, an online warehouse. So we can take all those wonderful donations people have, they stay at your house until they're actually needed by the charity. So charities are not overwhelmed with donations they don't require. So over the years, I suppose you've been involved in many recovery efforts. What have you found about the main difference between recovery after an event in the city versus in the country? Is, is there a difference? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. I mean, I think regional areas have a really, really strong community connection. So everyone knows everyone. We find people are incredibly stoic. They're always the people saying to us, there's someone else you know, worse off than ourselves. I remember a story of a lady who was pumping her dialysis machine by hand because she had no power. And when the charity arrived to help her, her comment was basically, there's people worse off than myself. So I think people from regional areas are incredibly stoic. I think also often what happens, particularly with large scale events, is that everyone is impacted in the community. And often you find that the carers are just exhausted themselves. And also you find that the local businesses are really impacted. I mean, if people have a disaster, they, it's the local businesses that suffer as well. In cities, not so much, and we find that there's more support from local services that can come in and help in city areas than there are in regional areas. 
So when there is a disaster, Sarah, we often hear stories of an overwhelming response from the community, but often charities are overwhelmed with unneeded items, as you've, as you've already touched on. How does Give It ensure you remain targeted to focus on the items that are truly in need? Yeah, this is a really important part of the Give It model. So, you know, we, we see the images on the news after a disaster, whether it be a flood or a fire, and we know Aussies are incredibly generous and want to donate to help. But what we actually find is sometimes those donations can actually hinder recovery efforts. We, we think we're doing the right thing by doing, you know, toy drives or food drives or clothes drives, but we don't always stop to actually ask the local communities what they need. So the Give It model is about actually asking communities what they need. Those needs are listed on the website so people can see exactly what is needed. And we try and encourage people not to take their donations straight into impacted areas. Because as you can imagine, your well-meaning donation of, of blankets or pillows or whatever it is, has to be received, has to be sorted, has to be stored, and often has to be disposed of. So these communities are already dealing with a huge sense of loss. The resources are also really, really stretched. And then to add to that, they're then going to have to deal with, you know, a whole lot of donations they don't require. So we're really encouraging people to think about giving the smart way through the Give It platform. Sarah, is there a consistent need that people have after a disaster of items that are useful or or is it very disaster to disaster? Yes, it, it does vary disaster by disaster. And that's why we really encourage people to jump onto the Give It website to see exactly what's needed. Because as you can imagine... People have lost different things. People are needing different things. And Give It is about asking people, empowering them to actually tell us what they need. We see time and time again people wanting to give donations but often not thinking about the flow-on effect. So it is not a chance to clean out your back shed or your underwear drawer and give a whole lot of donations you're trying to get rid of because that's just passing on that problem to someone else. We've also got to be careful that it's giving what people need. I mean, clothes is really hard. You don't know what size. You don't know what season. I remember a disaster in far north Queensland. Um, We had a donation of shipping container full of ski gear. People don't need ski gear in far north Queensland. You know, we've had examples of people bringing, you know, thousands and thousands of bottled water in through the drought. What that actually resulted in was the local businesses who would normally sell water losing that business. But also then the council were dealing with thousands and thousands and thousands of plastic bottles they had to dispose of. So it's really making sure donations have a positive impact and do no harm on these local communities. And the way we do that is we actually ask the local charities and the local organisations what their community and the people they support actually need. You just answered one of my questions here. I was going to ask you what are the least useful items people need? And I think your your ski equipment for uh, for North Queensland is a good example. But is there, again, common least, um, least useful items? Yeah, we, we see it time and time again. I mean, often it's the food drives. You know, people are trying to do the right thing, but you don't know what people like. You know, you, you get a hamper, you may be gluten intolerant. You might not like spaghetti in a tin. Your kids might have certain, you know, food requirements. Perishable items are really hard as well. I remember in one disaster, we had a truck pull up of cooked chickens. Now, no one had any power. No one had anywhere to refrigerate. So as much as that was a, you know, well-meaning donation... A, a truck full of cooked chickens was not needed at that time. So it's really turning people's thoughts around to what do these communities need and when do they need them and encouraging people to use our online platform to make sure people get what they need when they need it. And Sarah, any disaster is clearly a traumatic time for, for, for people and for communities. How do you go about protecting the privacy of those who have been through a trauma and, and are in need? Yeah, this is a really important point and something we're really proud of. It's really important that we protect the privacy the safety and the dignity of people that have been impacted and likewise to protect the safety privacy of the people that are donating. So the Give It platform is a way of doing that anonymously. We make sure that the donor and the recipient never actually meet. We always go through a charity or an organisation on the ground. They vet the need, so you as a donor know that the need is a genuine need 
And they also act as the intermediate, if you like, to make sure that the donation gets to where it needs to go. And you just talked about community and, and organisations. And you know, aside from helping those in need, what's the benefit of giving it to, to those community organisations? A fantastic part of our model is actually building the capacity of these local organisations. You know, you think of a small neighbourhood centre, often they're using their hard-earned grant money to purchase, you know, grocery vouchers or spare underwear for families coming to them. So the fact that they can use the Give It platform, which is a completely free service, to request whatever they need for the people that they support, they also have access to this amazing online warehouse full of wonderful donations. So we hear time and time again, it's the fact that these organisations are now empowered to be able to ask for the nappies, the grocery voucher, and it can happen really, really quickly. So a neighbourhood centre could ring us and say, you know, they've got a family who's escaped domestic violence with literally the clothes on their back, living out of their car in the back of their, of their neighbourhood centre. We can make sure that a grocery voucher is in their inbox, you know, within a matter of hours. So it's a very quick way of delivering that immediate relief uh, through material support through those amazing organisations we work with. The other great thing about us is often you'll find these charities are being bombarded by well-meaning donations all the time and they have no place to store it. They don't really want to say no to these great donations. They can direct people to the Give It model. They can pledge their donation of blankets, furniture, whatever they have to give through the Give It model. And then that charity and other charities in the local area can see and access the donations when and if they need them. So Sarah, it's a fantastic idea that has real benefits for everyone in the community. I understand, however, that the involvement with government came as a result of a topic that really affects farmers. How did that come to pass? Our involvement in New South Wales came through the terrible drought that was through, you know, 2017 all the way through to 2020, I think it was. Towns were being overwhelmed by, you know, generous donations. And it was actually someone within New South Wales government who had worked in the floods in Queensland and remembered something like the Give It model. So they actually reached out to us and that was our first kind of time working directly with the New South Wales government. And again, our job is really simple. We work with local organisations, we find out what's needed and we channel that incredible generosity from Australia to meet the immediate needs. Just sort of talking about drought, I guess non-farming communities often forget that drought is a natural disaster. How did you generate interest in the cause and how were you able to help affected communities during that time? Look, I think everyone's heart went out for these communities. I mean, it was such a long, hard drought. I mean, even farmers who, you know, had saved for a rainy day and had, you know, stores, it, it still hit them really, really hard. The toll on some of these local communities was just enormous. I mean, we were on the ground quite early on and you could see just the, 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 the stress on people's lives. You know, farmers were making the decision of feeding their cattle over their families. Like, it was pretty tough times. Also, the flow and effect to local businesses. I think we talked a little bit before about the fact that in those disaster events, no one's, no one's getting a haircut. No one's, you know, buying sports equipment for the local sports store. So it's, it's also about those sharing those stories. And as I said, people are incredibly generous. We just need to let them know what is needed and the stories behind it. And we had some incredible generous donations through that drought time. You just mentioned stories to share. Is there actually a story, you know, that you can share in a bit more detail? Yeah, there's, there's always hundreds. I mean, the great thing about the Give It model is you actually can see the story behind the donation. So your donation is going directly to someone in need and you know the story behind it. We had some incredible stories for the drought. The one that really stands out for me was an elderly lady who was living off grid. She had been without hot water for two and a half years. She just made do. She couldn't afford to, you know, redo her hot water system and she had made do. So through donations, we had the donation of the actual system, but also the plumber and all the um, electricals to do it. We managed to restore hot water to this wonderful woman who never asked for anything, never expected anything. 
And those stories happen time and time again. We had a uh, donger donated to a family with six young kids. So they could actually use it as a schoolhouse. You know, everything from fuel vouchers, food vouchers, even pairs of reading glasses, things that people were doing without because they just did not have the extra cash to do it. The other side to that that gave me so much pleasure was actually going into these towns and spending our money locally. So one of Give It's commitments is we really try to put money back into local communities. So to actually go to the local service station, you know, run by the kind of the old, the old mechanic, very stoic mechanic, and actually ask him if I could buy, you know, $3,000 worth of, 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 of vouchers to give out to people and just to see the emotion on his face. You know, this was more money than he'd put through his till in weeks. I actually had to jump behind the counter and help him actually kind of handwrite the vouchers because he hadn't done anything like that before. So I, I love our model. It's about giving back and putting that money back into local communities. And you see time and time again, this is not a handout to these businesses. It's just putting our money back in and buying local. And it's the hairdressers, the butchers, the, the service stations that we always try and put our money back into. And you talked about you love the model and I guess over time you've, you've refined the model and, and made enhancements to it. So how does Give It work today with governments and other organisations from sort of the start to where we are today? Well, a big part of our role now is working with governments to change the way people give. So it's what we were talking about before then about trying to channel that generosity to where it really needs to go. And we have seen, unfortunately, so many disasters in the past you know, couple of years, whether it be floods, bushfires, COVID. It seems an awful lot of people have been impacted numerous times. And the great thing about the Give It model is it's giving people an alternative. Instead of just donating straight into communities, they can pledge online. We also make sure that 100% of money we receive from the public for those particular appeals are spent on the ground. So it also gives the donors the security of knowing that their donation is going really where it needs to go. Sarah, you talked about the New New South Wales drought and Queensland drought, I guess, as well, from sort of 2017 through 2020. Mm. But also, you know, around 2019, I think it was, we had the Black Summer bushfires. How does Give It respond when there's, you know, that that sort of event was affecting southern New South Wales, parts of Victoria, the Adelaide Hills, Kangaroo Island? How how, how do you handle where there's an event affecting multiple communities? Yeah, and, and wasn't that just devastating? I mean, we just saw so much of the country being impacted by that. I mean, the great thing about Give It is we are about locals giving to locals and it's about building the capacity of these local organisations. So the model is the same. It is scalable. It is an online platform. So we can take as many donations as we need because it's an online warehouse. No one is having to store the donations that are given. And it's just about us working with those local organisations to find out what, what their actual needs are. So it did, I mean, yes, it was busy for all organisations at the time. And it's also important for the listeners to know that we are there for the long term. So we are still doing work in those communities now to make sure that they have the items that they need and as people are starting to get back on their feet. I mean, there's people who have not recovered fully from the, the fires. Um, unfortunately, there's people who have had the fires and then the floods on top of that. So it's a long-term um, journey for lots of people and give it's about making sure they get what they need at their time in their journey of recovery. So you've just answered my, my follow-up question there was going to be, you know, are communities still recovering from those events from, you know, three or four years ago? So clearly the answer is yes, and you're yeah. still there supporting them. Yeah, absolutely, Andrew. And the other thing that's so sad is a lot of these communities have been hit time and time again by different, you know, natural disasters. And then COVID on top, it has been a really tough year for so many people. And yeah, it's really important that we are there building the capacity of those local charities and just giving people a sense of hope. I hear so many times, it's not just the item that people receive through the Give It platform. It's a fact someone cared enough to give and to give what they need. And it can be such a simple item, like a pair of reading glasses, a pair of school shoes so their kid can return to school with, you know, new school shoes or tyres for their ute, you know, that are now dangerous and they can't afford to do it. 
And I love the fact that we have those stories happening time and time again. One of my favourite ones recently was a, an elderly man over in Perth who needed new dentures. You can't do much in life without a pair of teeth. And someone on the other side of the country saw this need, credit card, put their details in one night. This man was able to get his dentures fixed the next day. So it's a great model of just channeling generosity to where it really needs to go. Sure, we've touched on, and I think it shows the diversity of Australia. We've talked about the, you know, the, the droughts. We've talked about the black summer bushfires. And over the last, I suppose, you know, nearly 12 months or so now, we've seen floods across you know, New South Wales. We've seen the, seeing the Murray now has flooded various parts of that waterway. And So again, with the flood, I assume give it's there supporting those communities as well at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And I have to do a huge thank you to IAG. So we've been working with IAG on a COVID support program and we have been focusing some work in South Australia, which meant we had these amazing charities all ready to go. So unfortunately, when they were then hit by the floods, we had a great network of organisations we could work through. And IAG were one of the first organisations to donate to us. $100,000 meant we could then buy those essential items straight away. So it's really empowering for, for our team at Give It, but also the charities on the ground to be able to provide that voucher, that food voucher, that fuel voucher really quickly for just people to know someone cares and to get them back on their feet straight after a major event like the floods. Sarah, do you need to respond differently or to maybe adjust your response between you know drought to flood to bushfire? Is, is there differences between all sort of these disasters? It is interesting. I mean, I think it depends a lot on the actual disaster. It depends on where it is. It depends on the, the community that's been impacted. It depends on, you know, what's happened before for some. Some communities are incredibly resilient. You know, they far north Queensland, cyclones and flooding happens all the time. They, they almost lift up their furniture, the flood water goes through and they kind of move on with life. And there's other communities that have just been hit time and time again and, and they're not bouncing back. So I think it depends a lot. It, it is interesting. I think in some ways bushfires have a, more of emotional, um, especially on the news, and you see the devastation coming across, the, the destruction of land and life, and, and it, it really tugs at everyone's hearts. When I, I think floods in some ways are a bit slow moving, but we've seen that incredible destruction that it leaves behind as well um, and the damage that it does. So, yeah, I, I think it really depends on, on where, the number of people that have been impacted, and, and what support networks those organisations on the ground you know, already have to kind of build resilience, if you like, is really important. It's important for us, it's important for IAG. It's building that resilience so they can bounce back you know, more quickly when, a, when an event hits them. Yeah, and talking resilience, are you seeing fatigue in some of these communities? Of, you know, and oh. We've been hit by so many events over recent years. Is, there a, you know, is fatigue an issue now and for the donating public, potentially? Yeah, absolutely. And, and you're exactly right, it's both. I mean, these organisations are exhausted, especially, as we said, those smaller towns. A lot of the carers and the support organisations are impacted themselves. So when Lismore got you know, hit the first time with the floods, so many of our support organisations were not able to operate themselves because their staff were you know, being evacuated and having to deal with loss. Their, their head offices were underwater as well. So it does put extra pressure on those communities. It was really interesting. I heard Senator Murray Watt on the ABC radio early in the week. He was saying over 80% of Australian council areas have been declared disasters in the past four years. That, that was a really staggering statistic to me. You know, so much of the country has been impacted over the last couple of years. So yes, you're right, there's huge fatigue actually in communities, but also with, with, with donations, I think. And also with the cost of living rising, people are being very careful where they're spending their money at the moment. Sarah, IAG, as WFI's parent company, has been a, was an early supporter of Give It. Corporate support, I assume, is, is important. And do you get good support across the corporate sector? 
Look, we are so grateful for the support of IAG and you guys have been there, you know, since the early days for us. We wouldn't be in the position we are now to, you know, to now be a national organisation that supports four and a half thousand charities across the country. We are the partner with New South Wales, Queensland, Victorian ACT governments for disaster um, response and managing donations. And that is thanks to the amazing support of IAG. Um, we have a commitment that 100% of money received from the public is used to buy goods and services. So that corporate support is absolutely vital for us. Your ongoing support has meant we've been able to build those relationships with organisations and charities on the ground. And that has been fantastic in building resilience in these communities to help them prepare for, for disasters and future disaster events. Sarah, for, for any community organisations that want to get involved, what, what would your advice be to, to those organisations across the country? Look, it's really easy to register with GiveIt. You jump onto giveit.org.au. It is a completely free service. We're always looking for more great organisations to work with. So if listeners have um, local charities that they are passionate about or know about, please help spread the word. Completely free service. They can then access whatever they need for the people they support. And as we said, we're always looking to support as many organisations as possible. We were talking before about the stoic nature of regional areas. So the more organisations we can get registering with us, the more people we can help. And if you do know someone who is in need, there is a search function on the Give It website that will identify local charities that they can actually go to and get the support of donations through the Give It model. Sarah, how can people listening donate to Give It? Uh, how do they source more information about Give It? And you know, what sort of items are you looking for, if anything, specifically? So jump onto Give It. .org.au is my advice. You can see exactly what is needed across the country. You can search by postcode to see what's needed in your local area. You can search by the, um, the hardship categories that you're passionate about, whether it means domestic and family violence or homelessness. You can see what is needed. There are thousands and thousands of items needed right now. Everything from school shoes to grocery vouchers to water tanks to you know, fridges. You might also have items at home that you don't need, you'd be thinking of getting rid of. Instead of just dumping it at the good you know, Samaritan bins at your local shopping centre, have a think about pledging that onto the Give It website and local charities can then see what's needed. If you don't have an item to give, but you'd like to give money, Give It has a guarantee that 100% of the money we receive for those specific items will be used to buy. And as I gave the example of the man with his dentures, you can also have a look on our website and we'll spend your money on an exact item that you specify. So we try and make giving really easy for the donor. It's very transparent. You know exactly where your donation is going and it's a pretty nice way to give to someone you'll never meet and know that donation has really changed someone else's life. Sarah, thank you. It's been a fantastic chat today and thank you for your time and for, for the great work that GiveIt's doing. Great, thank you and thank you IAG for your continued support. Thanks for joining me today for this special conversation with GiveIt CEO, Sarah Tennant. If you'd like to learn more about GiveIt or even make a donation, you can head to giveit.org.au. Just like GiveIt helps communities and people in their time of need, WFI Insurance has a long and proud history of helping agricultural communities identify and mitigate their risks, protecting Aussie farms for over 100 years. Please join us again next time as we shake hands with more good people to know.